I'm not like really, 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 really smart. But when I've been in environments where I'm dealing with institutional investors or like money from the outside, there's all this pressure to get it right and get it right really fast. And what ends up happening is we end up probably delaying results because they we're not doing the right things the right way in the right order. Like think about this, anything in our life that's done well takes a little bit of time. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. All right, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. Today, I've got, I say this almost every time. It's just because I'm so fascinated with the people that, uh, that take the time to come in and talk about the things that they've screwed up things that they've witnessed other people screwed up. <laughs> and I mean, it leads to some fun conversations, but yeah, honestly, what, what you have in store for you today is a, I would say a very fun conversation. We, we go back a couple of years, uh, Adam Boyd, um, at the context of how to introduce you, I wanted to call you football coach, sales coach extraordinaire, Northwood group. I, like, I don't know how to <laughs> introduce you, man. So we go back a couple of years. I, you know, I don't know that I'm a, I'm, I'm a jack of a lot of trades. Uh, I'm pretty good at one or two. I'm not extraordinary. Okay. He's humble. He's humble. He's being humble. He's being humble. You need to throw, throw the humbleness to the side for a second. All right. So Adam Boyd. Uh, the last one, my coach, man, we got boat raced and, uh, on the stuff that I think I know I'm learning new things every day. So, uh, Maybe I'm just a little further ahead than some people. Uh, humble, hungry, smart, I think is what they call that. Humble, hungry, and smart. He may he may never tell you that, but I'll sit there and tell you. So Adam and I, uh, we've known each other for a few years. We we worked together. Uh, he was actually a coach of mine. Uh, and we worked together for, uh, for that was a better, better part of a year or so. And what was great about Adam, and one of, the, one of the reasons why I wanted to have him on the podcast is as everybody who listens to the podcast knows, right around the time that, uh, that Knucklehead got started, there was this professional sales development um, coursework that I was going through. Well, Adam was actually the one who was coordinating a lot of that. A lot of that content came from the, between the ears of this this fine young guest over here that that uh, that we have. So, um, anyway, long story short is a lot of the the hiccups and you know uh, nicked knees and screw ups along the way relative to to sales. A lot of a lot of what happens whenever over the course of a conversation where where that goes. Adam's got a almost a playbook. It's not like he's, he's thinking three steps ahead. It's just that I remember back in the day, Adam used to say something to me all the time. You're like, yeah, I understand you feel like your business is different and unique and special, but every single conversation I have, everybody feels that same way. So knowing that everything we go through is not really all that unique, uh, tell people a little bit about, you know, what you do for work and, and, you know, how you work with sales folks. And, and I think let's start there and then we'll, and then we'll dive into the backstory a little bit with your family. No, it's great. And, uh, you'd think that I would have like had this really tight and canned. Uh, but so my background is I, I came out of sales training and we ran these classes and we trained people and we had a program, we put them through and over time, you know, we went from doing these public programs to doing private programs. And in that, what I found was really valuable was people from a coaching standpoint needed repetition and they needed a lot of feedback so that they could actually see what they're doing. They don't have a mirror. You know, we don't, without a mirror, we can't see our own face. 
And so I ended up doing a lot of that with folks. And then I had to start surrounding that with the infrastructure of a certain level of consulting because we would get hired. Uh, I would get hired and it was a small business owner. It was a VP of sales at a mid-market company. And they thought I would kind of like sprinkle some dust and everything would change. But we had to spend a lot of time working with management on how they did things, accountability, how they hired, how they onboarded, uh, what they measured, how they worked with people, how they made tough decisions. And that became the biggest determinant of success. It wasn't my material. It was their willingness to do the things they needed to do. So I did that. I went in and ran sales and marketing for a company. We made some changes and had some success. Uh, we improved their customer acquisition by like 5x. We made some small shifts and did that. Uh, we got really lucky and sold for a lot more than I might have thought the business was worth. But it was, it was a fun business. I had to work with some great people. And then I, you know, I went back into consulting. And so what I do now is I have a, a program with a, a friend of mine and we put a small number of people in there, 10, 15, and we run them through about 12 weeks of everything we can on, on coaching around sales. And it's like how they talk about what they do. It's how they uh, think about the numbers they need to engage in from an activity standpoint. It's how they set up meetings. Right. It's some of it, a little bit of its mindset, but I'm not a mindset coach. I got to manage my own mind before I tell somebody else. So we run that program. Then I got a handful of private clients where we work with them on how they build their practice or their business. Most of them are professional service providers, attorneys, fractional CFOs, uh, bookkeepers and accountants. I get a lot of attorneys because they get a ton of leads coming in and they want to be an attorney on the phone and that's not what somebody calling an attorney needs. They need a human being. Yeah. Um, and I do some light consulting with a handful of businesses, helping them like get their head screwed on straight around sales so that they're not like trying to just press the easy button and think it's going to happen. So, yeah. It, it sounds as if what I'm hearing you say, and I appreciate that backstory is people who read books, you know, one that comes to mind is like the book predictable revenue. So everybody mm -hmm. who reads predictable revenue, they're like, Oh, listen, this is, this is it. I, I just got to architect the sales team. I got A's, I got AMs, I got BDs. We're good. And I just, I read the book. So I'm just going to go hire the people and we're good. Uh, yeah. doesn't quite work like that. There's still a, well, a human interaction. Go ahead. That book is great. And, and I think what happens, uh, I'm guilty of this. Like if you we're in my bedroom right now, cause we're doing some work in my home office. I got all these books over here. And some of those books are for pleasure, but some of them are to learn. And what I think a lot of people do is they take a book and they either don't do anything with it or they don't realize that the book is the starting point. And there's this deeper level you need to get to. So predictable revenue, a lot of companies have done it. Some didn't have the resources to do it. Because think about hiring a BDR, an AE, someone like an account manager, customer success. I mean, that's a lot of money if you're a small business and you're trying to bootstrap, even if you're funded. Uh, so what a lot of people don't do is think, all right, I have a framework. How do I iterate through to get it right? And you've been in a lot of companies and you see a lot of times they're kind of like, they go down this road and they got to pivot. So a lot of times what people have to have the ability to do is tolerate some ambiguity and say, hey, we're going to iterate and we're going to figure it out. I just, I'm going to ramble here for a minute, but I hope this is helpful. We work on No, do your thing. It, it, before you do, hey, let me, let me stop you just real quick. So what I'm hearing you say, even just in the context of setting the table here, is 
there's this intended outcome that a lot of planning, quite frankly, is is uh, is very worthwhile. It helps you at least establish that st- that starting point. But yet, it's kind of like jujitsu or or fighting. You know, when you get punched in the face or you get attacked, you've got to make some adjustments along the flight. Those halftime adjustments that everybody talks about uh, during uh, during the NFL. So. With that being said, go into your go ahead and go go into your story a little bit about uh, about that context. I'm going to use a football analogy, a football metaphor. Um, when I was coaching uh, football, we one of the things, and you played for people who don't know, uh, my man here, Stephen, played college football at Nebraska. Like at the last time, they were like he was on the tail end of their glory days. It's a nice way of saying uh, I'm old. That's what he's saying. Go ahead, Adam. Okay. <laughs> You're younger than I am. But uh, so I, I was a defensive coordinator at a high school and we had this this one particular defense we ran. It was a three three and we bumped up into a new league and we started to struggle and we thought that it was the defense. And really, it wasn't the defense that we were calling in a way it was. We were a small private school. We needed to be able to flex because I didn't have the kids to run that defense. Right. Like. We had one little guy, great dude. I mean, I'd hire him now if I knew where he was. He was probably 150 pounds soaking wet, and we're asking him to play this this linebacker position, which we had a position he could play and he could do well in, but he couldn't play that one. So I remember what happened is we started adjusting, and we went to a different type of 3-3. Then we went to a, a type of 4-4 defense. Um and we would go learn these defenses from people. And what we really needed to think about was how to craft a framework that was going to flex for the different types of kids we had. Like one year, we had all these really good linemen. And we're like trying to run a 3-3. Three, three. And I'm like, well, we really should have been in a four or five man front that year because those are the kids we had. And so we needed to do that. But we would go learn something and we'd get eight weeks into the season and we're like, we're not running the base defense we've been taught. We were running a variation of it that we'd had to adjust to over time because it worked. So here's an example of how this plays out. I had a client recently to help dentists and doctors sell uh, dental practices uh, or their, their, their practice. And they had a pretty straightforward, really thoughtful funnel that involved uh, responding to an ad and then they would give the, the doctor, whether a dentist or a, a general practice provider, they would give them uh, some information and they would do a call to action. Okay. And I think these principles that we're talking about here apply to anything you do. I mean, digital marketing, operations, hiring, you know, leadership development, whatever you want to call it, product. They were having, they had a very direct call to action. It was like book a call to talk about your practice and selling it. Well, they had a really, really low response rate on that. And we're looking at it and we're like, all right, let's, let's iterate. And I said, let's give them a, a transitional call to action. And, you know, we've got people that are responding really low, but we know they're opening your email and then they're seeing it. And so we adjusted and we said, we're going to put in this step. We're going to say, hey, book a call because some will. And those are probably people that are ready to do something. Or, Join this event. I think we set up a webinar where people could join and they could anonymously listen as other dentists talked about how they had sold their practice and what it was like. And I told the guys, I was like, your first one's going to suck, but you need to do it because you're going to see that it works. Well, they immediately went from getting like two leads a week who wanted a call to like 17 people signed up for this thing. 
And then they like doubled the back end lead flow because people were able to slow down the process and engage in a safe, comfortable way. And I remember talking to the guy that had put this in place and he was great. Like guys like you, like you're more operational than I am, but like you don't put like your head of sales on this because he or she does not want to deal with all these details. But the guy that was doing this for this company, he made a lot of changes between the first and second iteration. And he said, all right, we're just going to keep doing this. We're going to keep testing. And he was like, all right, we're going to get rid of slides. We're going to make it more of a conversation. And to this day, they're still iterating through that. But he had to realize, like, I got him 70% of the way there. But the 30% that where it was really going to grow, he's got to figure it out on his own. What he's just not going to do is think, I'm going to get it right the first shot. My daughter's downstairs baking cookies, right? Um, eventually, she's going to stumble on some recipe she loves. But she's going to have to, like, stay in it and work through it to figure out, how do I cook the butter? How do I, you know, put the, you know, what's the right flour? And keep working through it. So it's like anything else. You get it and you keep going. So Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a great story. And I love the the similarities, quite frankly, between the the real world business scenario and you know the experience of of being frustrated and giving up too many points in week six of the football team. You know, oh, it just it just is what it is. Like, it's a it, there's a there's a pain there associated with knowing what you need to do, but then also having the team to be able to go and execute that game plan. So this is knucklehead podcast, right? This is not Guy Raz, I, how I built it. You know, this is not, right. uh, you know, the story where they go through these these perfectly crafted storylines oh, yeah. that have this great solution or outcome at the end. This is what you screwed up along the way. And I remember picking up the telephone and, you know, being terrified in one of my first sales roles. Um, you know, I was selling payroll services and I was trying to, you know, establish contact and relevancy, you know, in the state of Nebraska where there's state income tax. And I'm sitting there trying to, you know, get past the the gatekeeper of the office manager to have a substantive conversation with whoever's in charge of their payroll, and just right. and just looking at the telephone and thinking that this thing is at least two or three hundred pounds. It, it was probably closer to three hundred. Just that's how that's how difficult it was to to develop the inertia. It was because I was trying to do it perfect every time, as yeah. opposed to just being okay with you know whatever the you know whatever the response was. Typically, the response was no, but that really meant. You know, just not right now, just not something that they were evaluating right now. And so that was helpful data for me to be able to go out and pivot. So th there's got to be some stories along the way, you know, in in some of your your sales coaching career that, you know, where you're like, oh, gosh, that, this company is about ready to get it. But gosh, that had to have been painful. <laughs> was, have there have there been any screw ups along the way that you that come to mind? Well, I got a lot of screw ups. I mean, honestly, when I started my when I got into the space, I just sat in a room and cold called all day. I was given a book of lists and you know, the guy I worked for um, said, hey, only call on CEOs, owners and presidents. I don't want anybody else. And I had to get them to an event and I would get hammered. And you know what? The feeling was worse than what actually happened. Yeah. Um, I remember I was so nervous and insecure. One guy was like, man, you got to pep up. You, you got to enjoy what you're doing. Uh, but I had some success. But the bigger thing, and for anybody who has to sell, there's, if they have to do, if they have to work on the phone uh, and they've got to do, they've got to risk rejection, they, there has to be a deep desire to get where they're trying to go or else it's just hell. I remember I couldn't wait for like Friday night because then it was like, I had a few days before I had to pick up the phone again, but Sundays were terrible because I'm like, I got to go back and just fail repeatedly. Like now 
I'm at a place in life where, okay, I'm willing to fail. It's a volume game in some regards, right? It's not entirely a volume game, but it's, it's, you know, if it's not this one, I'm going to find them. Like I'm on a search for something and I've been that way a few times. It's like, look, I'm going to find the right person in every call. I need to be learning. I need to be listening to their language. I need to be listening to things they say because we can appropriate that into better messaging, into better marketing, into better questions. But I'll tell you a story. This was like in 08 or 09 when everything was falling apart, but Texas was largely insulated. We were working with an architect and the architect, he was kind of downstream from some opportunities. He would get called in to do some things. And I remember we had him calling, and I can't remember who, whether it was engineers or, or uh, GCs, but we basically had him calling, not even to sell, but just to start relationships where he'd get hired. And we kind of walk him through how to make the call, him to call, da 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 da. And he started booking meetings, and the meetings were going to lead to new business. And then he came in and he said to us, You know, I, I, I can't do this. We said, What? He said, No, I cannot pick up that phone. And, and I'm not here to preach the gospel of the cold call. It's just, it depends on your industry, your market, your role. But this guy's like, I just can't do it. And we said, wait a minute, you're telling me you'd rather close your doors than pick up that phone. He said, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like, I can't fix that. I'll tell you another story. I recently was working with. Um, before you jump, where- before you jump to this story, I got to, I got to yeah. stop for a second. Like those of you who are listening, if you didn't just want to vomit a little bit, that's a, it's a very visceral, uh, hold on for a second. So he, he was okay with not doing it because rather than go through the uncomfortableness of making the call, I've got to get my head wrapped around that for a second. So like, how did you react? I'm, I'm curious. How did you react to that? My business, you know, it's, I mean, here's, here's where I've made mistakes. I've cared more than the other person and yeah. I get wound up. And really what I need to be thinking about is I need to go find the right client to work with who wants to do the work there's the, on a management side, this is where it's a little harder, right? This guy was an owner and he wasn't going to do it, but I've worked with managers who had this mentality. It's either super new school where they're super enlightened or it's super old school. And the, the new schools like doesn't believe in commission, um, believes in feel good or, uh, you know, which is, I believe in people's feel good. Mm-hmm. I'm more of an earned deal, but mm-hmm. you know, we're treating people well. Yep. And the super old school says, I hire adults. I'm not here to babysit. And they believe any form of accountability is micromanagement. And so I'm looking at this company recently that I'm working with and owner knows what needs to happen. We're talking to the head of sales really about, we're not saying, Hey, look, I, they have a series of accounts they need to call on to produce a certain amount of revenue. And it's still below your annual target. So you got to go find new business to close the gap and probably some cushion to get through it. And we are, um, we're doing this. And I remember the head of sales was like, I don't babysit. I'm, I'm, you know, their numbers don't lie. We'll look at them at the end of the quarter. And I said, the end of the quarter is too late to fix something that's off the rails. You got to get in there. We're saying, we're not telling them you got to make a hundred calls a day. We're simply saying, Hey, you're going to go call on the, the Microsoft account or the Knucklehead account. I just want to know how many times you're going to call on them so that I can spot check that and get you there. So that's, you know, one of the things that I've probably done poorly in my, in my life is 
not at like not making sure people are really committed to doing what it takes to to get where they want to go because a lot of times it's not rocket science it's just uncomfortable for some people yeah um that's the harder thing is getting managers to lean in a little bit I like the way that you categorized. You do a really good job, in my opinion. And those of you who are listening, if you're listening to Adam say something that's you know that's resonating, my encouragement to you would be uh, go to his LinkedIn. He may not tell you to go there, but that's where I would go if I was listening to this. I would go to his LinkedIn and I would engage with some of his posts because what what he's doing from a categorization standpoint is he's kind of developing some context around how you know, how to look at something. So something as simple as where no KPIs existed. Here's some KPIs to 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 be you know, cognizant of if you're going to have some slippage in some of your your projections. You know, uh, a sales manager of mine a long, long time ago said the art, it's not, it's more of an art. It's not really a science, but it's more of an art of forecasting, like being able to read the tea leaves and present with some, some accuracy and some confidence in terms of where you're going to end up at that, you know, at the end of the quarter. You're absolutely right. correct. I mean, quite, week six or week seven is probably too late to make an impact for a 13 week quarter, right? It's just, you try to make yeah. those assessments for the following quarter right around then, but you got to be a li- at least have your finger on the pulse in weeks two or three. So for the context of categorization, old school versus new school in a place like Austin, I'm, I'm curious, do you, I mean, are you focusing a lot of your attention now on working with, you know, equity backed startups organization, which is kind of synonymous with Austin? Or are you more going it's after almost, some large? Go ahead. Almost everyone I work with is bootstrapped, privately owned, um, and I'll tell you why, um, one, I don't, I I've got a handful of clients I work with. There's, there's a decent amount of business that comes in and I work with those people who want my help. I'm not like really, 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 really smart. But when I've been in environments where I'm dealing with institutional investors or like money from the outside, there's all this pressure to get it right and get it right really fast. And what ends up happening is we end up probably delaying results because they were not doing the right things the right way in the right order. Like think about this. Anything in our life that's done well takes a little bit of time. I'm not saying it takes five years, but you know, if you're going to build, let's just talk about our sales organization, depending on your sales cycle, um, getting that right, assuming you have product market fit, that may, that's still going to take a little time. And we believe a lot of myths like, oh, we're going to hire this rainmaker he, he or she is going to come in and just like solve all our problems. It almost never works. And what does happen is somebody reads about somebody who got it right the first time. And they're like, well, that's what their expectation is. Here's another one. A lot of people believe the first salesperson they hire in these startups is eventually going to be their head of sales and then their chief revenue officer, whatever that title means. And very few people can grow through all those stages. So I usually, you know, most of the people I work with are small businesses, you know, on 10, under 20 million in revenue, you know, the it's the owner's money, they're growing, uh, you know, it's service-based businesses, it's, distrib- it's distributors, it's uh, law firms, remarkably, it's 401k providers, wealth managers, insurance agencies. Um, and I, while I try to get them results really fast, I'm like, you've got to play a long game. Don't hire me if you personally aren't playing a long game of building real value. But I now am liking working with a lot of these small service providers, professional service providers who stroke the check because they do what you tell them to do. And I'm like, hey, look, I'm going to listen to your calls. We're going to restructure it. We're going to get you turned around. We're going to get you doing some things a little bit differently. We're going to get you winning more deals. 
we get results for them really fast because they just do it. They, it's their money, so they do it. Sure. So that was more than you asked for. Well, I mean, honestly, though, even just the context of that answer, it helps to uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? It helps to understand what the playing board is, right? So if you're going to be playing a game, you got to understand what the moving pieces are. And that's – and yeah. so what I'm hearing you say, for those of you who are listening, right? So the, the whole point of Knucklehead Podcast is to talk about what you screwed up. Like, what, where did you yeah. mess up along the way? And what I'm hearing – yeah. Say again? Yeah, exactly. Just, <laughs> and honestly, that's you learn more from your, your screw ups than you do your fail. Or excuse me, your successes. In a lot of cases, at least, I'm saying that very generally. But that's been the consensus from you know we're at you know 200 plus episodes now. So it's that's the mm-hmm. the re- reoccurring theme and the stories and the themes behind it. And it was painful to hear about that that guy wanting to shut his doors. But <laughs> what that did is it also crystallized to you. You know, you got to find what it is that you're looking for. And it was clear to you that that screw up or that mistake of, of you know, client service fit, it's going to help you yeah. crystallize and, and make a better decision on what, you know, what clients you want to go after next. So, yeah, Adam, we're, what we're doing is we're right up against it in terms of time. So I don't want to put you on the spot here, but like if, if somebody has been listening over the course of the last 20, 30 minutes or so, what, what would be the thing that you would tell them to do next if something that you said resonated? Like, what, what is it that you would tell them to do? Sure. Uh, two really easy ways to get more engaged. Go to my my site, thenorthwoodgrp.com, thenorthwoodgrp.com. We couldn't get the Northwood group. We got grp.com. Just go through some of my articles and sign up. I put out a newsletter every two weeks and I write about something that I've actually seen or dealt with probably in the last couple of weeks. Every now and then you get lucky and I do a dissertation on something like Narcos, Mexico or Yellowstone and like distill that into some strategy. But a lot of it's the things that my clients are dealing with that may or may not be applicable to you. And then you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, Adam P. Boyd is my moniker up there. And I, I put out content that's based, again, on experiences I've got. It's shorter form, but hope you, there's probably if you're a business owner, you're a service provider whether that's attorney, uh, CPA, you're in the 401k, real estate or insurance, I'm probably going to be writing about something that's actionable either for you or somebody in your company or your firm. And happy to have a conversation at some point. Please don't pitch me leads, how you're going to like make LinkedIn turn into a billion dollars for me. And uh, there's probably not a lot of other things I'm looking for right now. So that's my only ask. Like if you're going to connect with me, I'll take it. I just don't want to be pitched right away. Buy me dinner first, um, and we can go from there. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it, it, that's that's never happened before, right? Where you you get the random mm. LinkedIn request, you ignore the message, and then it turns from somebody's name and a picture to a LinkedIn member because they've they've already. Oh my gosh! The automation. It's so bad. It's yeah. Bad. It's, really, it's really it's really not good. Um, no, it's not. no, this is great. You know, I hope this is helpful for some for some people. I've made a lot of mistakes. I keep making them, and you know, it, it, there's. Look, we all talk about how failure is a great teacher, but it's painful when you're going through it and it feels so final, but it's, you know, honestly, the only thing I do is just keep going. So happy to share those stories. So I appreciate you having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. I appreciate you blocking time. It's a, it's always fun to catch up and it's always good to hear, uh, honestly, stories of folks who are out there hooking and jabbing and making a difference with, uh, with folks out in the marketplace. Cause uh, honestly, those stories are they're, they're fun to explore again, to your point about how failure is a good teacher. I like how you said that it's, it's painful to go through and it's not always easy to stop and analyze it because, because it is painful. So 
All right, Adam, anything, anything else you want to leave these folks with before we wrap? Uh, you know, it was pretty good. Northrop group, no, 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 not group, yeah. GRP. GRP.com. Yeah. Right. Northwoodgrp.com and, uh, find some stuff there and, uh, hit me up. All right. Appreciate it. For everybody else who likes to listen to Knucklehead, we try to put out episodes every Tuesday, but the reality is, is that doesn't happen. We, we, we come out with new content, uh, pretty frequently. So you know how to get in touch with us. Adam told you how to get in touch with him. The cost of listening, do what he asked. Just get in touch with him. Don't pitch him unless you want to buy dinner first. So we will chat with you soon. Y'all have a good one. Take care.